invite you to stay standing with me for this morning's gospel reading from Mark chapter 5. Jesus crossed the lake again, and on the other side, a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Jairus, one of the synagogue leaders, came forward, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded with him, My daughter is about to die. Please come and place your hands on her so that she can heal, be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A swarm of people were following Jesus, crowding in on him. A woman was there who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a lot under the care of many doctors and had spent everything she had without getting any better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Because she had heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothes. She was thinking, if I could just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Her bleeding stopped immediately, and she sensed in her body that her illness had gone away. At that very moment, Jesus recognized the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? The disciples said to him, don't you see the crowd pressing up against you? You ask who touched your clothes? But Jesus looked around carefully to see who had done it. The woman, full of fear and trembling, came forward. Knowing what had happened to her, she fell down in front of Jesus and told him the whole truth. He responded, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace, healed from your disease. While Jesus was still speaking with her, messengers came from the synagogue leader's house saying to Jairus, your daughter has died. Why bother the teacher any longer? But Jesus overheard the report and said to the synagogue leader, Don't be afraid. Just keep trusting. He didn't allow anyone to go follow him except Peter, James, and John, James's brother. They came in the synagogue leader's house and he saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, what's all this commotion and crying about? The child isn't dead. She's only sleeping. They laughed at him, but he threw them all out. Then taking the child's parents and disciples with him, he went to the room where the child was. Taking her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means young woman, get up. Suddenly the woman got up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. They were shocked, but he gave them strict orders that no one should know what had happened. Then he told them to give her something to eat. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And so now, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place and in all places be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, the musical Wicked tells the true story behind the two witches of the Wizard of Oz. There is Galinda, the good witch, and there is Elphaba, who later becomes known as the Wicked Witch of the West. Now, Galinda and Elphaba couldn't be more different 
Galinda wears hot pink and everything sparkly. She has this bubbly personality and even sings a song about just how popular she is. Elphaba, on the other hand, has bright green skin. She has this sassy and smart, fiery personality and extraordinary talent, but she is often misunderstood. And because all the other kids make fun of her, she tends to keep to herself. Well, when this dynamic duo is suddenly assigned to be roommates at school, both Alphaba and Galinda write letters home about how much they can't stand the other. According to Galinda, Alphaba is unusually and exceedingly peculiar and altogether quite impossible to describe. But Alphaba just needs one word to describe how horrible Galinda is. She's blonde. As the show goes on, the two of them progress in very different ways. Glinda becomes this public figure, engaged to be married to the town heartthrob, and she travels around in this giant floating bubble. Elphaba, on the other hand, becomes a fugitive who has to work behind the scenes so that she won't be captured, and so she travels around on a flying broomstick. The townspeople speculate that her soul must be so wicked and so unclean that pure water could melt her. But over time, this unlikely friendship forms between Elphaba and Glinda. Their stories are woven together in such an inextricable way. And even though life takes them down two very different paths, in the end, they admit that because they knew one another, they have been changed for good. Well, in today's gospel reading in the book of Mark, we come across two different people. One is this temple leader named Jairus. The other is an unnamed woman who for 12 years has experienced hemorrhaging and is near death. And I would argue that because their paths cross in this unique and unexpected way, they are both changed for good. But Jairus and this woman couldn't be more different We have a religious insider and a complete outsider, someone who is in charge of the temple's activities and everything going on there, and someone who is not even considered clean enough to go near the temple, someone who was able to travel with Jesus and to find a spot in Jesus' daily schedule, and someone who feels so unworthy of his time that she has to push her way through the crowds just to touch the hem of his clothes. A man with status and privilege, and a woman who isn't considered important enough to be given a name in the story. As the story begins, Jairus meets Jesus and begs him to come heal his little girl who is near death. But on their way to see Jairus' daughter, this woman approaches Jesus, hoping that if she can just touch his clothes, she will be made well. Well, Jesus immediately realizes that something has happened, and when this woman falls at his feet, he says to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. I can just picture Jairus, the woman, and the crowd standing there in complete amazement 
at what has just happened when all of a sudden, while Jesus is still speaking, Jairus' family comes to deliver the news that his daughter has died. And I can't imagine how these words must have sounded to Jairus. Logically speaking, he should have completely given up. There was no reason to bother Jesus with this any longer. And maybe, maybe if he had not met this unnamed woman along the way, maybe he would have broken down in that moment, turned around and gone home to be with his family. I mean, who would blame him after receiving such devastating news? But I can just imagine him standing there and looking into this woman's eyes. A woman he might never have met had it not been for this moment with Jesus. And I can picture him seeing this radical work of healing that has happened within her. And in this completely unexpected encounter with Jesus, her story, as different as it may be from his, intersects with his own. And I've just got to wonder if the faith that has made this woman well might just be the faith that Jairus needs in this unspeakable moment too. If the faith of this unnamed woman is what gives Jairus the faith to keep trusting Jesus anyway. You know, people often read this text and they focus on the miracles that Jesus performs and how he goes back to Jairus' home and heals his daughter. And there are lots of questions we could ask ourselves this morning about healing and faith and prayer, and the relationship they have with one another, and what to do when it feels like miracles just don't happen for us like they happen in the story sometimes. But that's another sermon for another day, because today I want us to turn toward the miracle that is right in front of Jairus before he even turns to go back home. Because there's something about his encounter with this woman, this miracle, that changes him for good. And just like Jairus and this woman, I believe that when you and I gather together in this place, our lives and our stories are inextricably woven together. We meet people we might never have met had Jesus not allowed our paths to cross. And sometimes I believe it's the miracles we see in one another that give us the faith to keep on trusting in Jesus too. I mean, sometimes you may sing the words of a song that I can't sing that morning but desperately need to hear. Or you may voice the prayer that I just don't have the words to pray but I need somebody to pray it for me. And maybe just by your showing up and being here, it could give someone else the courage to just keep showing up in their life too. And the thing is, you have already told me about the ways this is happening. You've told me about the people in this place who have shown up for you just when you needed them the most. And how God has woven your stories together here at Highland. It happened when Holland Holm and Lauren Townsend showed up for Gator Blanchard and Dominique James at a marriage equality protest they were leading downtown back in 2013. 
How Holland reached out to the judge and arranged for them to be released from jail after they were arrested for peacefully applying for a marriage license. Gator told me, I've never forgotten how they showed up and were there for me that day. It happened when Rose Hawkins was growing up in a small shotgun house just around the corner from the church, and two ladies from Highland, Mrs. Wigington and Miss Frieda, knocked on her door and invited her to Sunday school. Week after week, they would come pick her up and bring her to church. And these unexpected women who showed up on her doorstep, one of them who would become like a mom to Rose over the years, together they were changed. For good. It happened for Becky Smith after her husband passed away. She said, I had been out of church for 25 years and I had just started coming to Friday church at Highland. But I didn't expect much support from the church. After all, no one from my previous churches had showed up when my mother died or when my father died. But she said she turned around in her seat just before the funeral started and her heart skipped a beat. She said one entire row was made up of people from Highland. I held back the tears, but I just wanted to sob because they showed up for me and they've been there ever since. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says it best when he says, There will be days for all of us when the Christ in our own heart is weaker than Christ in the heart of a brother or sister. There will be days when our own hearts are uncertain, but the hearts of a sibling are sure. It's why Jairus and this woman, why Gator and Holland and Lauren, why Rose and Mom Wigington and Becky and so many others help us to see that we need each other. We need to hear God's voice and to see God's face and to feel the movement of God's hands and feet through the ways in which we share life with one another in this space. A few years ago, I served as an intern at a church in Georgia. And during my time there, it felt like a division was building within the church. Two different groups of people were forming among them, and they just didn't know how they were going to make their way forward together. And one Sunday, a young gay man shared the following words in worship that I will never forget. He said to his church with tears streaming down his face that morning, I fervently believe that our strength comes from our diversity. He said, we desperately need our traditionalist here. We need your wisdom and your strength, your commitment and compassion. In short, we need your faith. But in equal measure, we need our progressives. We need your vision and your innovation, your energy and your enthusiasm. In short, we need your spirit. One is the ballast, one is the sail, and both are indispensable if we are to press forward. Or to put a more modern spin on it, he said, the mighty Saturn V rockets that took man to the moon required monumental scaffolding and powerful engines. To put a more modern spin on it, the mighty Saturn V rockets that took man to the moon required monumental scaffolding and powerful engines. Without the engine, the rocket would crash to the earth. But should that scaffolding fail to release, 
then the would-be bridge to the stars becomes a cage. And if we are to take to the heavens, both will be required. Thank you. Highland, if we are going to take to the heavens together in this post-pandemic world, we need you. We need all of you. Whether you are just showing up here for the very first time or whether this has been your church home for years, whether you come to this place with much faith or you come wanting more, whether you come with a difficult story that you don't know if anyone will understand, or you come ready to share your story for someone else to hear, whether you feel like an insider or an outsider to the faith. Friends, you never know what role you are going to have in someone else's story, what part you will play in the story that God is writing here among us. So I hope you will hear these words that Glinda and Elphaba offer one another at the end of Wicked. And as you do, I invite you to look around this room. Look at the miracles that are in front of you and beside you and behind you and all around you. Remembering that when we encounter the face of Christ in one another, we are all changed for good. I've heard it said that people come into our lives for a reason, bringing something we must learn, and we are led to those who help us most to grow if we let them, and we help them in return. Well, I don't know if I believe that's true, but I know I'm who I am today because I knew you. Like a comet pulled from orbit as it passes the sun, like a stream that meets a boulder halfway through the wood. Who can say if I've been changed for the better? But because I knew you, I have been changed for good. Amen.